I don't usually start with illustrations, but let me start with an illustration that very much represents my sentiment uh, and uh, the main point of this sermon, and I think the main point of this passage as well. There was this man in an ocean line, in a cruise ship. He was traveling the ocean. And as he was standing on the, over the rail of, the, of the, this ocean liner, he stood there throwing something in the air and catching it as it fell down. An onlooker, passerby, someone who was going through, uh, passing through him or by him, uh, looked at him and said, what is it that you're throwing up in the air? And this man, he said, well, I'm throwing this priceless diamond in the air. It is everything that I have in life. It is all my possessions. Or, uh, my whole, possess- whole possessions are, is this diamond. And the onlooker, the passerby, looked at him and he asked him, aren't you afraid that you might let it fall in the ocean and lose it forever? And the man said, no, I've been doing this for the past half hour. It hasn't slipped my hand. I haven't let it fall down. I haven't let it fall down yet. And the onlooker said to him, but there might come a last time. There will come a last time when it will slip through, the fing- through, your, through your fingers. And as he was saying this, the man threw it up. And it slipped and it fell on the ocean. Lost forever. And the man looked to that diamond falling into the depths of the ocean. And he cried out, lost lost everything is lost well this is not a true story but it's nonetheless a reality that many of us play like that with our lives we throw the diamond up and down and oh we haven't lost it i've caught it i've been catching it for the last half hour we are in the vessel of life our soul is that precious diamond And we're risking it all, day by day. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, you're taking a great risk with your life every single day. If you die without Christ, you will be eternally lost. And I ask, how can you be so careless about your life like that? How can you be so blasé about it? And uh, uh, one answer that, that, that is often given is that they, they all, I'm so caught up. I, 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 all of life is happening. I don't have time to think about that. Well, that is a lie of Satan. That's what Satan and the devil want you to think. That you have plenty of time to think about these things. He lulls you with the fine and the good things of life so that you wouldn't think about the eternal consequences. He lulls you with the idea that you're basically a good person. At heart, I am a good person. When I die, God will certainly not not judge me. He will not condemn me. I'm a decent person. In my text, this text today, we find our Lord describing exactly this kind of attitude. 
describing for us, painting a picture. I don't believe this to be a parable. I know this morning, uh, even this morning, uh, my tongue slipped and I called this a parable. I don't believe this to be a, a parable. I think it's too specific to be just a parable. Certainly is something in it, but let's not get caught up in that. But the Lord paints for us this picture of taking risks. He paints for us this picture of what's at stake in this life. The diamond, the precious, priceless diamond that we have. He paints for us the picture of the reality that are the actions that we take in this life carry eternal consequences. Carry eternal consequences either in heaven or, or in hell. And you might disagree with me. I'm fine. You might say, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that to be true. I don't, I don't want that to be true. I hate that kind of message, that exclusive message. It's fine if you think like that. As long as you admit that it is the clear teaching of the word this morning, or this evening, that it is the clear teaching that we find expressed in this passage. You might disagree with it. It's not fine in a sense. Don't get me wrong. But, but it, you can disagree. But what you cannot deny is that these are the words of Christ. And he speaks clearly and plainly. We are told in this text in no uncertain terms. That this life is not only living. That death is not only dying. No matter what the, the atheists of this world say. This text refutes the idea that this life is all that is. This text shows in a clear form that to man is ordered to die once. And after that comes judgment. And Jesus paints this picture by telling us of two men. And the contrast, the differences between these two men could not have been greater. They are contrasted difference in life and death and in eternity one was a have while the other was a most definitely a have not there were two men one, one on each side of the gate of uh, this rich man's house one was rich the other was poor but both died and that changed everything because they ended up on two different sides of eternity. We read in verse 22 and in verse 23 that the rich, that the, the beggar Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom. And that the rich man died, was buried and was in hell being in torment. Death is the great equalizer. Doesn't matter if you're rich. Doesn't matter if you're poor. Death is the great equalizer. As wealthy as this rich man was, he could not buy eternal life. He was just as likely to die on the day he was born. He was just as guaranteed to die as the poor man, Lazarus. Because whether you are rich or poor, none of us can escape the cold hand of the grave. No matter how much money you have, it will never save you. Worldly wealth cannot prevent our inevitable demise. 
And when it finally happens, the only thing that really matters is what is your relationship to God. Where do you stand before God? From an earthly perspective, the death of Lazarus must have seemed rather pathetic, especially in comparison to the other man of this story. The rich, the rich man received a proper burial. It must have been an elaborate affair. Yet nothing is said about the poor, the poor man's uh, burial at all. He simply died of starvation. His body was cast aside. But that is only from the, the earthly perspective. From the heavenly perspective, we are told that when this man died, Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom. Jesus does not say much about Lazarus. But he says enough. He says enough that he trusted, that he was content in the Lord. It implies enough. St. Augustine, one of the church fathers, he said that Jesus kept quiet about the rich man's name and mentioned the name of the poor man. The rich man's name was thrown around, but God kept quiet about it. The, other na the other's name was lost in silence, yet God spoke it. You see, God, who lives in heaven, kept quiet about the rich man's name because he did not find it written in heaven. He spoke the poor man's name because he found it written there. Indeed, he gave instructions for it to be written there. The point here is that salvation does not is not that salvation depends on which tax bracket you occupy. The point here is, here is the real issue here is is your name written in the book of heaven? Have you trusted the Lord? Lazarus trusted in God and waited for his salvation. He's silent. Here is impressive. He does not speak at all. He neither complains of his hard lot on earth, nor gloats over the rich man after death, nor expresses resentment at the latter's endeavors to have him sent on errands. Throughout, he, throughout the whole episode, he accepts God and what God sent him, has sent to him. So what are the contrasts? Let me just break this up into three points. The contrasts in life. Very much the theme of my sermon this evening is the theme of lessons that we learn from a wasted life. But I want to see it as we look at the contrasts. They are contrasted in life. They couldn't be diff more different. One wore purple robes. The other was covered in rags. The one was living splendidly in, in lavish banquets. The other was laid hungry most of his life, searching to eat some few, a few crumbs that might fall from the table of the rich man. One enjoyed the company of the, the, the finest of society, illustrious people. The other was surrounded by hungry dogs. One had a healthy body. The other was covered with sores. 
The rich man was the symbol of success. The beggar, the symbol of failure. A model of failure. The former had the world at his feet. The latter was someone that the world disregarded. The man lived life to the fullest. The beggar, Lazarus, was a he was a beggar. He was sick and he was hungry. He had dogs for companions. And again, in the Middle Eastern culture, dogs were not the man's best friend kind of uh, animal that we have in Western culture. So that's the contrast in death. What about the contrast, uh, the contrast in life? What about the contrast in death? And I want to say this, death is coming to all of us. It comes to the rich and it comes to the beggar. It comes to the doctor, someone who went to university, and it comes to the illiterate. It comes to the governor and it comes to those who are governed. It comes to kings and to vassals. It comes to young and it comes to old. Death's arrow reaches the highest of penthouses in the highest of skyscrapers, the highest of, of rooms in the palaces, as well to the poorest that lie on the streets. Death comes to all. Death has come for both of these men. Death is no respecter of age or social condition. Rich and poor, they come from dust and they return to dust. Young and old, they come from dust and they return to dust. Yes, one was buried, we are specifically told. Probably there was a, a fine cortege, of, a funeral cortege happened. Perhaps fine eulogies were said. Perhaps there was people mourning in the streets on that day. We are not told by Jesus that they, this man had acquired his riches in an illicit way, in a sinful way. That is not the point of this sermon. He was rich. He probably had a, a nice eulogy. A preacher, a pastor came and spoke really nice words on that funeral. Family and friends sobbing. But he died. The rich man was buried. But the beggar, we are told there was no bury, no burial. We are not told of any burial. We are not told of any festivities or any celebrations. We are not told of any eulogies. We are not told of anything. What does this teach us? It doesn't matter how you live. It really doesn't matter how you die. For eternity, nothing like this matters. He didn't have well-orchestrated music. He didn't have uh, sobbing voices. He did not have the greatest praises paid to him. His pilgrimage was marked by a life and a death of loneliness, poverty, and much suffering. He lived as a poor man. He, he died as a poor man. Perhaps only the dogs kept him company in his last moments. Perhaps do the dogs were at his burial or his burial. But where I really want us to, to stop is to consider the contrast in eternity. 
after death, the contrast doesn't stop there. The contrast continues, but the situation is reversed. The one, one person that had died, uh, once a person has died, his condition, whether bliss or damnation, is fixed forever. That's what we learn from this uh, rich man. There is no second chance. On the other side of the grave, the contrast remains even more marked. We see that the beggar was escorted by angels to Abraham's bosom, to the Father's house, to paradise, to the place of eternal blessedness. There, his tears were wiped away. There, his sickness was taken away. His wounds were healed and his soul was consoled. You know what Lazarus means. Lazarus means God is my help. Although he was despised by men, considered to be the scum of society, ostracized, forsaken, forgotten, sick, hungry, surrounded only by dogs, he trusted in God. The rich man had everything but God. Lazarus had nothing but God. The point that is being made again is not if you're rich, you, you go to hell, and if you're poor, you go to heaven. The point being made is that if you lived your life without paying any consideration to God, if you, paid, if you lived your life without paying any consideration to, your eternal, to the eternal state of your soul, you're damned. The point being made is that just because you're rich doesn't mean that you go to heaven because God is very much pleased with you. Or just because you're poor, it doesn't mean that you're going to hell. Because certainly because of your condition, God is displeased with you. No such thing is said in scripture. No such promise is made by God. The rich man crossed the valley of death and he entered not the rest of the just, but the torment of hell. The rich man died and went to hell because he lived, lived without a thought of eternity. What about you? What about you? If you were to die today, if you were to die this evening, this, this lunchtime, I know I, <laughs> I get to the evening service and I'm always talking about the conversations in the, in the lunchtime, but they, they are really good. This lunchtime, we were talking about a lot of these people who've died uh, on, in a moment's notice. We spoke about um, th those people who died in 9-11 in that building. Some of them, they weren't even looking out the window. One moment they were there planning their day, looking at their agendas and calendars. The, uh, the other moment a plane caused, uh, came through the window and they died instantly. We spoke about uh, a tragedy that happened uh, a few years ago here in, in Vauxhall where, where an helicopter uh, crashed into, into a crane and someone on the ground died because something, uh, something of that crane or that helicopter uh, came down upon him. That person was going about his day, doing his work, and it just happened to him. What is the state of your soul if you were to die this very moment? Where would you be? Would you be in Abraham's bosom in paradise? Or would you go to hell, to Hades, where there is no coming back from? And again, I remind you, you might disagree with this passage. 
You might say it's wrong. You might say, I don't want this to be true. I hate this truth. But you cannot disagree that this is, the, this is clear. There is no reincarnation in this passage. You die and you don't reincarnate somewhere else in the world or in some other animal. There is no such thing in this passage. You die and it's done. You're either in heaven or you're in hell. There is no purgatory, like the Roman Catholics say, a place where you go in an in a in-between state and you go there to be purged of your sins so that then you can enter paradise. No such promise is made here to, to people who die in their sins. And certainly, we are told here that there is no nothingness after death. Many atheists like to believe uh, uh, that when you die, it's done. It's no longer, you just disappear. You, you go back and, and, and nothing else happens. There is no such thing as a life after death. Are you sure about that? Are you so sure about that? That you're willing to risk to throw that diamond up in the air every single day? Many people would love this to not be true. They would love to extinguish the flames of hell. Uh, of hell. But all the waters in this world cannot extinguish the flames of hell. You might say that I'm being harsh. That this talk about hell is, is, is not very pleasant. And I, I'll tell you, it is not pleasant for me to preach about it. I would rather preach about things that are much more pleasant. But you know what's less pleasant than speaking about hell? It's being in it for all eternity. Let that sink in. It's not that you're going to be in hell for, for, for a few days, for a few months, maybe for a few years, for a few centuries, for a few millennia. You're going to be in hell forever. Eternal damnation. To go there is much less pleasant than to hear sp me speak about that. I promise you. This man thought that he lived his life without ever thinking about his soul, without ever even considering his need for God's mercy, without ever reflecting on the reality that he would one day meet the maker of his soul, that one day he would face the judge of all mankind. I don't know if his death was sudden. Like we were speaking this uh, during the Sunday school. I don't know. We're not told. Perhaps he died in the middle of the night. He went to sleep and he never woke up. Like that couple that uh, in my hometown were sleeping in their bedroom. And on comes a, a car off a, a ramp into their first floor flat. And he goes through their bedroom and they died. They went to bed. They thought we're going to wake up tomorrow, go to work and do all of these things. Too late for them. Too late. Let it not be too late for you. Today is not too late for you. Today is the day of salvation. What are the lessons that we learn? We learn that the wealthiest man's misfortune was endless. He woke up, he went to sleep, or he closed his eyes and, and he died. When he opened his eyes again, he was in hell. No going back from this now no solution you wake up in hell you're in hell forever
We're told that judgment does not happen in this life. The word of God says that it is appointed to man to die once. And after this comes judgment. First comes death, then comes judgment. The the man who sins against God will pay the penalty for his sins. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says that it is appointed a day when God will judge man. You will not be able to run away from God. You will not be able to excuse your way in the presence of God. You will have to give an account for every frivolous word, for every unrighteous deed, for every sinful omission or lie, for every impure thought. That day is rightfully called the day of judgment. Day of judgment. You die. And you wake up. If you die in your wickedness, you will spend eternity in your wickedness. What is hell? Look at verse 23. Hell is a place of torment. Torment. A place of unquenchable flames, of unextinguishable fire, smoke rising up forever and ever. This is described by our Lord Jesus as a place where the worm never ceases to gnaw, to bite at it. Hell is a place of total absence of any grace from God. It is a prison, a place of eternal darkness. Look at verse 23 to 25. Hell is a place where there is no consolation. Learn from this man who ended up there. Man will see blessedness. Man will see blessedness in hell like this rich man. And yet they will not be able to enjoy it. He could see it afar off. There was a great chasm. He could see the blessedness that could have been his. Had only he chosen better what to do with his life. They will see blessedness, but they will not be able to enjoy it. Verse 23. They will cry out, like this rich man cried out. But they will not be heard. They will be tormented, and they will not be be refreshed. You cannot not get out of hell. There will be no chance for you to repent in hell. Today is the day of repentance. This life is the time that you have to repent of your sins. Not tomorrow, not after death has happened, not after you find yourself in hell and you go, oh, actually, on second thought, can I repent now? Too late. Hell is a place where your call for help will not be answered. There is no relief in hell. There are no requests answered in hell. There is no chance to reverse the situation in hell. And most tragically, you're going to spend an eternity in hell if you don't come to reckon with God. If you don't come to repent before God, you're going to spend an eternity in hell. 
remembering that you heard these words, that you heard my words, that you heard your spouse's words, that you heard your mom or dad's words, pleading that you would trust the Lord, pleading that you would repent of your sins, pleading that you would place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will spend an eternity in hell remembering, if only I had listened to the pastor, if only I had listened to my mom, if only I had listened to my spouse, if only, if only, if only, if only someone would come from the dead. Those words, if, are the most devastating words that will come through your mind through all eternity. You know why? Because in heaven, or in hell, sorry, there will be no atheists. All the atheists that died up until today, all the atheists that are died today, they, are, they have opened their eyes and they've realized they were wrong. Lost. Throwing that diamond in the air. Lost. Playing with fire, blaspheming the name of the Lord, sinning against him. There are no atheists in hell. Hell is a place that your family can no longer help you and that you can no longer help your family. Let me say this to the Christians. The time to evangelize is now. The time to reach out to our family members is now. The time to help someone is now. The time to warn people is now. It will be too late. The rich man says, oh, if only one would come from the dead, if only one would be raised from the dead, if only uh, one would come out from the dead, they would listen, they would believe, if only they saw a miracle, they would have believed it is a lie. You know why? Because that happened. In John 11, we read of another Lazarus, not this Lazarus, another Lazarus that was raised from the dead. And what did the, the people of his day try to do? It, we are told that the, the scribes, that the, the priests were trying to kill him. They were more determined than ever after this event to destroy Christ. So no, someone being raised from the dead doesn't change anything. Christ was raised from the dead. People had plenty of evidence of that in the first century. And still there were some that preferred not to believe. They were so stuck up and so stubborn and so seared in their hearts that they would not believe. You want to know what eternity is? This rich man, I truly believe that he was a, a, very, a very real person. Although some of the language here might be Jesus using uh, rabbinical teaching. I truly believe because of the nature of all this is written, that it, this is not a parable, that this is a real uh, episode. Someone uh, named Lazarus really died. And this rich man really went to hell. You want to know what eternity is? This rich man is still today in hell, in hell's torments, anguishing because of his sins 2,000 
or more years ago. Death comes to all people. Death comes to all classes of people. Both the suffering of the poor man and the lust of the rich man end in, in death and with death. Death is a sign of equality in the equation of life. Let me conclude by saying that the doctrine of hell is not popular. It doesn't please the ears. I hope it, it hasn't pleased your ears to hear about this. It shocks the most sensitive of people, or even the least sensitive of people. We don't like to hear about hell. However, worse than hearing about hell is being in it. Is being eternally thrown into it. So let me plead with you. Don't end up in hell. Trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Put your trust in Him. Come to Him with your empty hands. Say, Lord, I cannot, I don't have anything. I'm just like Lazarus. I'm poor. I'm destitute. I don't have anything to bargain with you for my salvation. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to your cross. I cling. Let me promise you that there is consolation. There is comfort. There is healing in Abraham's bosom. There is consolation in the seed of Abraham's bosom, in Christ's bosom. Where are you this evening? How are you living? Are you just enjoying life? Are you completely disregarding the existence of God? Are you throwing that diamond up and down in the air? hoping that you will catch it over and over again, there will come a last time. Today might be the last time that you throw it in the air. You might not have it tomorrow. Today, today, not tomorrow. Today is the, the day of salvation. Because there will be a today that will be followed by no tomorrow. That's the sad reality. That, that's the cold reality. There will be a today that will be followed by no tomorrow. There is one today that will have no tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. To, I hope that this warning of Scripture, of Christ, would teach you today to live with wisdom, to fear the Lord, and to trust in Him with your life. Today, your mercy calls us to wash away our sin. However great our trespass, whatever we have been, however long from mercy our hearts have turned away, your blood, O Christ, can cleanse us and set us free.